Hello and welcome to Abemus Papam, episode 228, Innocent the Ninth. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Abemus Papam. Now, we left off last episode with a stalemate in France over the succession of Henry of Navarre, a Protestant to the French throne, and Pope Gregory's rather ineffective papal diplomacy. And that's still on the table, but today's pope isn't really going to be able to bring any resolution to the situation. And to find out more about that, we first got to meet him. And so he was born Giovanni Antonio Facchienti in 1519 in Bologna. I'm not going to spend a ton of time with his early career, in part because it's very similar to a lot of the other post-Council of Trent popes which is actually a really great thing. No longer are popes chosen primarily from the princely nephews of previous popes who were made cardinals at way too young of an age and didn't really practice their faith and were more like generals and princes and lived that way. Now, for the last like five or six popes and, and, and going forward, popes are usually chosen from accomplished reforming bishops, canon lawyers, papal diplomats, prelates who can administer the church in a professional way and yet are faithful to their promises to Christ and teach the truth. And that's a great sign. Today's pope is very similar to the previous couple of popes in that regard. Giovanni Facchinetti was one of those men. He was somewhat boring in his ecclesiastical career. He studied canon law in Bologna. He was ordained a priest in March of 1544. He served in the Diocese of Bologna for a couple years before being asked to serve in the household of one of Pope Paul III's secretaries. He later worked for Pope Paul III's nephew, Cardinal Alessandro Farnese who sent him as an administrator to the Diocese of Avignon in France. And then he had a number of other administrative roles before being named a bishop in 1560 by Pope Paul IV. As a bishop, he participated in the Council of Trent, and he followed the council and the Pope's injunction to actually reside in his diocese. We saw this last week, too. He took that very seriously. He was the first bishop, actually, to go to his diocese in Calabria in over 30 years. And he was a great pastoral bishop there, and he served his flock as a zealous reformer. While at the Council of Trent, he made a bunch of good connections with other reforming bishops. So when St. Pius V was made pope, he selected Bishop Facchinetti as the nuncio de Venice, where the bishop helped to bring about the alliance, which resulted in the famous Battle of Lepanto. In 1575, the pope brought him back to Rome, where he resigned his position as bishop and was appointed to various curial positions and congregations, where he worked pretty effectively, and eventually he was named a cardinal by Pope Gregory XIII in 1583. Now, we've just talked about a lot of very short pontificates in the conclaves that elected Pope Urban VII and Gregory XIV, and in both of those conclaves, Cardinal Facchinetti's name was on the list of candidates which the Spanish side would be okay with, though never at the top of the list, but he was in there. He was in the mix. That list got whittled down pretty quickly with a lot of quick papacies. They only lasted a month or two or a couple of days in some cases. And so when Pope Gregory XIV died in 1591, a stalemate between the various factions led to this pretty good, zealous reformer, Facchinetti's name being proposed, and he was a good compromise candidate. He was elected on October 29th, 1591, and he took the name Innocent IX to honor Pope Innocent III, who was also a canon lawyer and said he was the, the chief of the canon lawyers, and so he wanted to follow in his footsteps. Now, as Pope Innocent IX was a reformer, he forbade his nephews from exercising high positions and, and trying to get those from them. And he took a firm stance against any untoward action in papal politics. He did end up naming a cardinal nephew because it was kind of expected. It was like the role that had to be there. It wasn't because he really wanted to. And he kept his nephew at arm's length, didn't really allow him to exercise much power. 
The situation in France was still ongoing. The Pope took the side of the Spanish against Henry of Navarre, but he didn't do too much to solve the problem, as I mentioned before. And that's because in December of 1591, only a month and a half after his election, the Pope participated in the new popular pilgrimage instituted by St. Philip Neri, the procession to the seven churches. The pilgrims traveled to the four major and three minor basilicas of Rome. They did this in December in some pretty bad weather. And while it was an intense and kind of hardcore sign of piety, it wasn't great for the Pope's already weak health. He caught a cold, it worsened over time until on December 30th, 1591, he died having only been Pope for two months. He was buried in St. Peter's Basilica, and he was succeeded by Pope Clement VIII. Thank you for listening to Habemus Papam, and you can find the rest of the Catholic Link podcast at catholiclink.org or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you, and God bless you.